from South Bend, Indiana, in the shadows of the Golden Dome, Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports bring you Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values, why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time to get you caught up on all things Irish. Here's John Brock and Angelo DiCarlo. A wild Gator Bowl caps off a wild 2022 season as Notre Dame ends Marcus Freeman's first season at 9-4 with a 45-38 victory over South Carolina in Jacksonville. Tyler Buckner accounted for seven touchdowns, two of which to the other team, in his return, showing the highs and lows he can provide, but will he even be the Irish quarterback in 2023? Welcome to the season finale of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo, so glad to be with you one last time this season on Redeemer Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio. Usually we're a pregame show. Today, a recap show as we look back at Friday's Gator Bowl and the entire 2022 Irish football season, year one with Marcus Freeman as head coach. Joined as always by John Brock. John, let's start with the Gator Bowl win and what a wild, wild win it was. It was a roller coaster of a game, that is for sure. And at risk of being a little cliche, I'd say it's a very fitting end to it, this season. It was. It, it, it was a slow start, some mistakes, Irish finally hit their stride through the middle. A couple mistakes here and there, and then at the end, a big mistake interception. Keeps it close right till the end, and the Irish pull out with a win. I mean, I, if I take out the word interception there, pick, I could be describing the season as well because it was a slow start. Uh, hit their stride a little bit in the middle, and then uh, hiccups at the end, and then they finally come away with a win. Well, I'd argue interception pick does describe the that's season true because that's the play that lost them the Marshall game and got Tyler Buckner injured in fact I had a little deja vu on the first one when Buckner was trying to go for the tackle yeah. at the end going oh no don't injure yourself so uh you know it, it was very reminiscent of the season as a whole and it, it's interesting and we'll obviously dissect that more here throughout the show as we will break down the Gator Bowl we will answer the question was this a successful 2022 season? Next segment, we'll give our final grades position by position and we'll close the show with a look at next year's schedule and our way too early predictions. And it's even more ridiculous now because you don't even know who the quarterback's going to be at this point. We'll talk about Sam Hartman and that possibility as well here throughout the show. And we'll give our college football playoff predictions for later today. Let's go through the Gator Bowl win, starting with the play of Tyler Buckner, John let me ask you this simple but very complicated question. Is Tyler Buckner good? I think he's good. Is he refined? Is he great? No. Does he have the potential that I think they saw when they recruited him? Yes. Does Is he improving, especially having sat out almost the entire season? Yes. I mean, he had a good performance. It's just uh, he's a little bit of a loose cannon as shown by the two touchdowns that he, he gave to the other team. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you see all the potential there, right, to a guy that could lead you to a national championship. And then you see all the potential there for a guy who could cause you three losses in a season because I've never seen someone throw so many pick sixes in three career starts. He's got three pick sixes that he's thrown in three career starts. He threw five interceptions in three games. Drew Pine threw six interceptions the rest of the season. Now, we understand the ceiling for Pine was limited. 
the ceiling for Buckner is very, very high. The floor for Buckner can be very, very low. Yeah, you see Buckner make a lot of throws, make a lot of reads, just make a lot of plays that, that Drew Pine and a lot of quarterbacks are not the able rushing, to make. The rushing is unbelievable. Well, the rushing, but he, I mean, he, he has a, a great arm, and he showed that off a little bit yesterday too. But he needs to to figure out what is going wrong and where he's missing the reads and, and why his throws are a little late sometimes that are leading to those interceptions. If he, In this offseason, he were able to get to work and address those issues. I mean, he really could be a, a well, great quarterback. I, and I say this, it would have been nice for him to be able to work and address those issues this past season, right? It that would've. he wouldn't have gotten injured. And what would we have seen that quarterback you're referring to yesterday in the Gator Bowl had he played the whole season. And the guy got hurt. And I don't know if he's ever going to start another game at Notre Dame. The, the speculation is that uh, it's highly expected that Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, who has 45 career starts, nearly 13,000 career passing yards, 110 touchdown passes. Mind you, Tyler Buckner did not throw his first touchdown pass until the Gator Bowl. Did not have one in the first two games. Uh, and now Hartman does throw 41 interceptions, so I guess no matter who the quarterback is next year, interceptions could be an issue. But that's expected to be the guy that comes in, and I don't see any way that Tyler Buckner would beat him out for the job. Why would you bring Sam Hartman in? Uh, otherwise, he'll be the starter next year if he does come, and I think he will. I think he will give you what you want for that one year. I don't know if Tyler Buckner is going to get enough work for you to trust them then in 2024. I mean, really, it depends on a couple of things because it's say Hartman comes in and you have Buckner who stays on the team on the bench. And, you know, he at least that season, he's able to be in practice and get into a couple of the games and progress because that's what he wasn't able to do this season he, he was in a sling he was on the side he was getting surgery he, he had no chance to to improve and so you just don't know he might be able to make those steps and make those strides in practice that could prepare him for a, a season after that uh, but you just can't know and what you do know is that Sam Hartman is a really good quarterback in the ACC and in the FBS level yeah I mean uh, we have one question from uh a Twitter follower, he said, I'll toss out the obvious one. Does the quarterback performance change ND's stance on going after a transfer quarterback? And does the quarterback performance change the likelihood of ND landing a certain transfer quarterback? And I'd say simply no, because I assume, we're assuming here, this is a done deal. And it's just a matter of when they, it gets announced rather than it's still being decided. That's all... I mean, unless all the reports and the sourcing is wrong, uh, you know, that would that it, all signs point to, you know, everybody is throwing it out there right now. All signs point to Sam Hartman is is coming on board. And I don't see Sam Hartman like seeing that performance and being afraid to come to Notre Dame. Yeah, I, and I think the the two interceptions that that Buckner threw helped that because yeah, yeah, if he had if he had had five touchdown passes and and maybe one interception, not a pick six, it might be like okay, that that's a solid quarterback performance right there. But I, I think Sam Hartman sitting there, knowing pretty well he could come and get that job. And I mean, you look at the pieces around him. I know we're gonna get to a twenty twenty three season a little bit later, but 
could be a, a very, very successful season if he fits into the team right. Do, do you like the idea of bringing in a Sam Hartman? I do. I, I think I think it's going to become a, a very normal thing in college football now is if you're you're trying you're going to still recruit and try and develop great quarterbacks because that's ultimately where they come from someone's got to recruit someone's and develop got, someone's got to develop them but if you've got a guy like maybe Tyler Buckner or you have someone else coming in and you need someone this year that is at a higher level than that the guy developing will still get in some games to get some experience get the practice get the coaching but you'll be able to be a contender right away and I think the transfer portal will open that up for a lot of teams. I am not saying this is going to happen, but remember earlier in the year when I joked before he sent out the uh, Instagram post that demolished Notre Dame, that I joked, what if Phil Dracovic came back? What if uh, this is going to happen at some point? I'm not saying it's going to happen at Notre Dame or it's going to happen anytime soon. Someone is going to transfer from a school to develop at another school and then come back. Like a minor league system. Like, what if Tyler Buckner said, okay, I'm going to transfer to Wake Forest, right? It almost like it was a trade. And then he has a pretty decent season, and then he comes back next year after Sam Hartman leaves because he got to experience it, and he got to do it somewhere else. I can see that happening. when I'm not saying that is actually going to happen, but somewhere in college football with the essentially transfer portal becoming free agency. Yeah. It's going to happen at some point, I and think. Honestly, if you're sitting in, in Tyler Buckner's shoes, it's not a bad idea for anyone. Wake Forest gets win out of it because <laughs> they get a better quarterback. Notre Dame gets a better quarterback for this season. And then ultimately, Notre Dame would get Tyler Buckner back at the end. So I don't see anyone really losing in that situation. All right, yeah. there we go, everybody. So we've, we've come up with the whole scenario of how to build Tyler Buckner as the 2024 quarterback. Didn't think we were going to go there at 9-12 here in our season finale of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturday. Days, but it gets to our point of what a wild season it was in terms of the fact that you know who would have guessed this you know come Ohio State game and and everything like that that we we'd be in the situation that we were after a nine and four season. Irish Sports Saturdays thanks Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for underwriting the show as the largest Catholic oriented credit union in America. Notre Dame FCU serves the church in many dioceses for eighty plus years. They put people over profits. Notre Dame FCU dot com slash elevate your ratio of the values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. All right, what do you think? What are other things that stood out to you from the Gator Bowl? Well, I think that the the defense, well, they let up early. They they came back in the second half especially and did a fantastic job uh, of recovering. And without Isaiah Foskey, they still did a great job getting into the backfield uh, and, and pressuring Rattler. And, and, I mean, they had nine tackles for a loss, three sacks, and that's all without their their sack leader and their tackle for a loss leader. So they they did a good job without him, and that impressed me. And really kind of the resilience of the team in the end, finding a way to get that win was what impressed me. It, it was not a complete opposite of last year's bowl game, but in a way it was different, right? You were dominated early. It looked like it was going to be blowout against you, and then this time you came back and won versus last year dominating early and and then blowing it in the end and get falling apart. It wasn't completely like that because it wasn't that lopsided on either court either half, but that's what it kind of felt like in some ways that um which is which is growth, right? And I think the biggest takeaway is uh the continued 
dominance of the run game. I hated, I tweeted this, I hated, well, I didn't say I hated it, but I, I was very underwhelmed with Tommy Reese's play calling early in the game. And for those, I am not, for everyone who's listened to this show, I am far from the Tommy Reese hater. I'm usually the defender. and But I didn't like it. I, I think they were trying to throw the ball too much, and they weren't running the ball enough. And moments after I tweeted, I think Tommy was following me on Twitter, of course, and he saw me tweet that they they only gave the ball to Estimate three times, and then all of a sudden, Estimate gets the ball two times for forty five yards. Saying you're you're the yeah, play caller yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. No, no, he just he just took my advice and he read that he read that tweet and decided, oh, I didn't realize we had only given Estimate the ball a couple times, and then they just ran the ball down their throat. Now, of course, there's the play call down at the five yard line, the second pick six that everyone's going crazy. I don't think it was a great play call, but I think it was more so on Buckner, like, why are you forcing the throw? Uh, then I, I, I think Reese was just trying to catch Wake Forest off guard. Or Wake Forest. Trying to catch South Carolina off guard by saying that everyone expects us to run here. And maybe maybe he should have just ran the ball. I, I mean, yes. I, th- I mean, I think I've, I've heard this a couple times since the game. Does the blame go to Reese or does it go to Buckner there? And I think it's a shared blame because – you're on the five-yard line. You did a QB sneak for three yards ah, already the in the game. the greatest play ever. And you're going the five-yard line, and you're going to pass the ball when you have estimate in the game. you got Buckner who can run. I mean, what an option. Be, be Navy for a moment and just get into the end zone. I, you, you pretty much, you've got four plays to get five yards. I don't see how you don't. Mitchell Palooza became Buckner Palooza. And speaking of Mitchell Palooza, Mitchell Evans uh, looks like, oh, that next great Notre Dame tight end had a couple touchdowns in, in his first catches uh, of the year. Uh, looked pretty good with Michael Mayer on the sideline. He's no, he's not, we're not saying he's Michael Mayer, but he looked pretty good. He did finally get that, that catch that he'd wanted all season, and he got a touchdown catch too. So he, I, I was impressed because I wasn't quite sure still I mean we'd said his name a lot because he'd gotten involved in interesting ways on the offense but he hadn't quite shown what he was going to be as a receiving tight end and he showed that he does have that capability which I think is good going into the offseason and next season and then Notre Dame's looking to get a couple of tight ends back so it could be still a very very strong tight end room I said he had two he had one touchdown excuse me estimate finished with 95 yards rushing Diggs had 89 yards rushing Diggs also had 81 yards receiving Buckner had 61 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And you know what? Going back to Buckner real quick, uh, I I think man, when he took off for that first rushing touchdown, he didn't he didn't run the ball too much, which I think was smart. I don't think you want to look. I guess he had to be 100 percent because you can't put him out there. But how much lifting was he able to do? Like yeah, you know I mean like how strong is the guy? Is what I guess I wonder. So I don't think you want to run him like you did in the Marshall game where he's running the ball a billion times. But they they were selective in that, and I think they did a good job. But man, when he ran for those two touchdowns, you go, wow! I forgot about how dangerous this guy is with his legs. Yeah, he he adds a threat that Notre Dame hadn't had all season, and and there was a couple times where you just watch him take off running, and you go, wow, this guy is fast. And what can you do when you have 10 guys blocking for him and it creates an open field? Because he's got the passing threat, too. So he's got all the threats that you want from a quarterback, and, and he showed a pretty impressive performance of that yesterday. Yeah, his legs, you know, he, he provides a threat you haven't had since Brandon Wimbush. Ian Book was a very good runner, but Ian Book was a quarterback who ran. Tyler Buckner, Brandon Wimbush were just really good runners, right? Yeah. They're among the fastest guys on the team. And, and he... 
and Buckner just brings that next dimension, but he's got to get rid of the catastrophic errors. I mean, my goodness. I mean, the catastrophic errors were just through the roof. He's, I mean, we've said it about the season. We've said it about the game. And I'll say it about Tyler Buckner. He's an up-and-down quarterback. You've got really high ups. You've got really low, low moments with him. But if he can clean it up, I think he's got a really great future, whether that be at Notre Dame or not, depending on how the transfer portal plays out. But uh, he's not quite there yet. Our poll question was, was this a successful season? And 538 votes. 85% said yes. 15% said no. I never imagined Notre Dame could have a less than ten, less than double-digit win season. And people, 85% vote yes. It's unbelievable to me. I'm not saying it's a bad season by any means, but I'm just stunned that the Notre Dame fan base said that. And obviously there's a caveat, right? If they go 9-5 and five in Brian Kelly's 13th year, no one is saying it's a successful season. But it's Marcus Freeman's first year. It started 0-2. It ended up that they won, you know, nine of their last 11 games. Uh, I, I, I could see the rationale, but I was just stunned that it was 85% to 15%. I thought it was going to be more like, what, well, I don't know, 60-40 or something like that. I mean, I think when you grade on the, the first-year coach curve that you have with Marcus Freeman this year, 85 is still a little high, but I think 75 to 80% might be more realistic. But, yeah, I think, uh, as you said, this is year two or three under Marcus Freeman, or maybe it's back under Brian yeah. Kelly. It's definitely 50-50 uh, even. Uh, it's, I'm sure it's, it's below. Yeah. I think it's going the opposite way. I think it's 85-15 the other way if this is year three of Marcus Freeman. All right. Uh, AJ said, very successful, upgraded recruiting. Managed through the loss of their starting QB, beat a top five team, won a bowl game. The O-line took a bit to get going, but honestly can't think of any first-year coach blunders that cost them. Well, future is bright. I would say there was a couple of first-year <laughs> first coach blunders throughout the year. Uh, we'll just go back to Marshall for you. Thank you very much. And Stanford as well. Uh, Benjamin wrote, can't lose to Marshall and Stanford, period. Offensive identity took too long to be established. Can't disagree with Benjamin. John, absolutely a success. Some definite bumps along the road, yes, but they improved as the season went along despite injuries. Also true. I can't wait to see what this program looks like with roster upgrades. Dustin wrote, lose to Stanford and Marshall, beat Clemson, and win a bowl game. It was successful in that Freeman kept it from getting really ugly after the first two weeks. You're nodding your head yes on that one. I, I agree with both of the last two on improved throughout the season and recovered from an ugly start. However, I will say Nate nailed it. <laughs> Option C, none of the above. So the question was, was this season successful? Yes or no? And Nate went with none of the above. And I think that is actually the correct answer. Somewhere in the middle in there. Yeah. I, I would agree. And I think it, when you look back on it, maybe two or three years from now, if next season is more successful, you'd say this season was a very great oh, success absolutely, absolutely. in leading to that. But it could be a really horrible season if Marcus Freeman is out the door in a couple of years. What's uh? What are the building blocks you take from this season heading into next year? Well, I I think Marcus Freeman's development I think is the most important thing because yeah, there's a lot of guys sure. for the next year or or two years that that have improved that you got to look forward to having. You got to hope some of these wide receivers improve and things like that. But 
really the the biggest thing I think is Marcus Freeman learning how to coach because I think that's why there was such a slow start to the season and, and some mistakes there early Ohio State and Marshall because that that comes from coaching because this this was a team that could beat Marshall but the coaching wasn't quite there yet and I think <laughs> you get to the end of the season and there's a little bit that. better you said that so matter of factly this is a team that could beat Marcus this is yeah, I mean, no question yes, yeah yes I would hope but Marcus Freeman and I think his leadership of the coaching staff wasn't there. And I think they improved greatly throughout the season. And I think that's what's going to show the next couple of years. Of course, we're going to get the running backs back and possibly transfer quarterback and things could fall into place for next season. But long term, that's the biggest takeaway. The part that we go back to, I think we said this after the Clemson game. If they beat Marshall and Stanford, we don't know if they end up being Clemson. They, Marcus Freeman, to your point, grew as a coach. He learned lessons that he was able to pass down to his team and and figure things out as a coach that he may not have done had they figured out ways of winning those two games. And ultimately, it may have led to them losing to Clemson. So maybe in the long run, they're going to be better off. Obviously, there was loss to USC. But man, USC's really good, right? I mean, and they have that. What do we spend the first... 12, 13 minutes basically talking about the quarterback situation. They got the Heisman Trophy winner quarterback. So that that makes a difference. That's what Notre Dame is missing, that high-level quarterback play. If they have that, they're a playoff contender. It It's as simple as that in, in 2023. If Sam Hartman comes in and plays at a high level, they are a playoff contender next year. If he... Gets hurt in game two. Tyler Buckner does this back and forth. They're not. They're gonna go ten and two, nine and three. Yeah, and that's as simple as it is in all of college football. You look at it, the hardest teams for Notre Dame to beat, the hardest teams to beat in general, were the ones who went and got Caleb Williams as a starting quarterback, had CJ Stroud as a starting quarterback. I mean, even Dugan or or Stetson Bennett, they're they're all great well-performing, well-executing quarterbacks that, unlike Tyler Buckner yesterday, don't make very many mistakes. What's the biggest strength of the team next season? <laughs> the, the running back room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you still, I will give credit, the, the O-line is going to return some good guys. But they'll lose and Patterson. And some good guys. They'll lose Patterson. They'll lose Patterson, which is a big one. But, I mean, they have some guys that you hope with Harry Heastand over the summer can improve to, to an upper level. And then, I mean, you've got Estimate and Diggs behind him again. It just fit a good arm next to him in, in Hartman, and, and it's going to be a tough offense to stop. Yeah, I, I guess I just say the run game overall. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll throw the offensive line group that in there. Uh, biggest weakness next year? I'm worried about that defensive line. I'm not yeah. sure. They're, they're losing a lot of the key guys that, that we've talked about the last couple of years. The Adamiola brothers, Isaiah Foskey, and not sure exactly who's going to fit into that role. I'm kind of worried about the defense as a whole. That that as well. You know, depending on what happens, you know, if Brandon Joseph decides to come back, then okay, I feel very good about the secondary. Obviously, we haven't mentioned Ben Morrison. Do got it. We don't know how if he he wasn't playing at the end. I don't know if he got hurt. I know he got knocked out of the game. He no one asked about it post game. But what a season! The kid had six interceptions. Yeah. What a tremendous and year. He, he really only started coming to it about halfway through the yeah, season. Yeah. I well. mean, what a tremendous year. So I think the secondary is going to be good, but I think they'd be a lot better if Joseph decided to come back. I think the reason that I would say just the defensive line is they're returning a lot of the linebackers. 
with potential to improve. And that was really, a, my opinion, a strong component of this team. They're, the three leading tacklers were all linebackers. So I think that helps the defense. They're returning a couple other guys in the secondary as well. And so that will help uh, along with some other guys trying to come up and, and fill the, the couple guys that are leaving. So I think all around, it's really the defensive line that if next year they can't get pressures on the quarterback, gets ta sacks, tackles for losses, that would be their biggest weakness. Yeah, and we didn't mention the wide receivers. I think that's more, hopefully, more middle of the road, at least trending up next season. We'll talk about them next segment as we go give our grades position by position. Did you know that Redeemer Radio has started a National Catholic Podcast Network called Spoke Street Media? Our mission is to provide content that invites so those listening grow closer in their relationship with God. Head to SpokeStreet.com and you can find more than 45 podcasts that are now a part of our network from all over the country coming up we'll give our way too early predictions on the 2023 season the schedule is not easy by the way we'll go through it but up next are grades position by position and before we go to break here on the season finale of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays we want to reiterate the news from the top of our broadcast for those unaware just tuning in Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI passed away this morning in the Vatican a funeral mass will be held for him celebrated by Pope Francis on January 5th. May you rest in peace. We'll be right back. If you get a flat tire, Tire Rack has your back. Tire Rack also has our backs. I'm Claire. And I'm Pior from Marion High School. I'm Tommy. I'm Miguel. And I'm Billy from St. Joseph High School. We're the Redeemer Radio Sports Intern. And we're wheelie excited to get class credit. You mean really? No, it's Tire Rack. It's wheelie. Get it? <laughs> tire Rack allows us to test drive the broadcasting world. For more tires and great prices, visit TireRack.com. Thank you, TireRack. Wheelie. <laughs> Sports Saturdays is partially underwritten by Indiana Physical Therapy, serving Indiana's physical therapy needs since 1988. With 21 locations, Indiana Physical Therapy continues as an independent therapist-owned company with a heart towards patient-focused care. Indiana Physical Therapy, where people go to get better. Welcome back to the season finale of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angelo DiCarlo, John Brock, back with you here as we look back at the 2020 the 2022 Notre Dame football season coming off the Gator Bowl win over South Carolina. Another Notre Dame Bowl win over an SEC team. They've defeated LSU a few times. So uh, certainly a uh, good good way to end 2022, obviously, with, with the victory. And now we're going to go through our grades position by position. This will be the third time we've done it this year through – we did it through four games and through nine games, so let's go through it here. Uh, we'll start with the offensive line, John. Through four games, you had a C minus and a B plus. I had a C and a B. What say you now at the end of the season? I really think they they've held constant since that nine games point. I'm going to give them a B plus again. They finished out well, but I think the the slow start that they had this season, you can't overlook that, and that holds them back from getting an A grade. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they lost the Marshall game because, I mean, that's what it all ultimately comes down to. And you know what? They probably lost the Stanford game because of the play of the offensive line, too. They took a setback. The Marshall game was in part because it was Patterson's first game back after that injury, and I don't think they were in sync. Um, so you don't want to blame him in that regard. But, yeah, I think you can't get an A when, you're, when you didn't have that consistency in every game. 
Uh, run running backs. You said A minus out of the gate through four games, then it had an A through nine. I was a little slower to come around. I went B then A minus. I'm definitely giving him an A at this point. Yeah, I, I gave him an A minus off the start just because I argued that the offensive line and the play calling was what was holding him back at the yeah. beginning of the year. You're right, and I think that holds true. And I think we see even through the last game of the season how much strength there is in this running back room of. I mean, you're losing Chris Tyree, but two sophomores returning and two you might leading not, rushers. I you mean, might not definitely be losing you Chris Tyree. You might not. You might not. So could it could back. be all three of them coming back. So And you got Price back from injury, too. So there's there's a pretty, lot of talent. A pretty strong running back room coming back. I'm giving them an A uh, for the season. All right. Uh, the the toughest one to grade, really, in some ways, because you, it's like, what exactly are you grading? It's the quarterbacks, obviously. Tyler Buckner started the first two games, started the Gator Bowl. Drew Pine started every game in between and is no longer on the roster. Uh, you had a C through four games, C minus through nine games. I had a C minus through four games, a C minus through nine games, and I will stick at a C minus through 13 games. I, I'm going to start at a C, go to a C-, minus, and I'll come back to a C for the end of the season. I, I think they, they got through and they managed a top 25 season. They pass the, the season with a C, but I'm not happy with, with what I saw from them as inconsistent. And both of them really, you look at Pine and you, you look at Buckner, they'd be good and not bad at a lot of uh, FBS teams, but just not quite the difference maker that Notre Dame needs, as we've talked about many a time before. All right, let's go to wide receivers. Through four games, you had a D. Through nine games, a D plus. I had an F through four games and an F through nine games. I will move them all the way up to a D. I will wow. not go any higher than that. They were horrible for most wow. of the season. They improved. And I will give them credit for that. They still were very underwhelming. And they were still... They they were the reason Tyler Buckner had to run the ball so much in the first two games. And honestly, they're the reason maybe Drew Pine has transferred. I don't mean he transferred because he's like, I don't like these wide receivers that I'm throwing to. I'm saying they also made Drew Pine look bad because... They weren't so great. Now he made them look bad too, um, at times. But uh, I will go with a D. What say you? I I had him at a D plus last time. And Don't tell me you're going with a C minus. I I was about to say I can't move him. I can't give All him right. a C. There's no way that you watched that whole season with those wide receivers. They they're practically non-existent the the whole season. You can't give him a C. I'm gonna have to stick with a D plus here. But but as we said last segment, we think there's some potential there. Yes. I, I don't think this is a group we're going to be saying next year, hey, they're an A-. minus. Oh, no. I'd be happy if they were a B yeah. next year. And uh, they have the potential to. Yeah, and hopefully you get they got one transfer wide receiver coming in. Hopefully maybe they get another. I don't know what the deal is with Tobias Mer Merriweather. He looked lost yesterday. I think he stopped. He, he, he was limping at one point. He stopped running on one of the routes downfield. And you need that guy to step up. Yeah. Certainly, you need Lorenzo Styles to return to whatever he was in the beginning of the year, not what he was in the second half. And Deion Colsey and Jane Thomas were the biggest bright sides by any. Yeah. All right. Tight ends. This one's the easiest one. You had an A through four games. I had an A through four games. I don't know why we didn't have an A plus at the beginning. I can't remember. <laughs> through nine games, you had an A plus. I had an A plus. And we will say A plus for me. What say you uh, with Michael absolutely Mayer? Absolutely an A plus. Uh, Michael Mayer. 
fantastic season. We eventually got the depth and Mitch Evans to step up a little bit. A lot of guys injured in this room. Got to give them some credit for getting through that and still having a great tight end season for Notre Dame as well. All right. Uh, I think it's obvious. Offensive MVP, Michael Mayer. I have no argument there. That's that's yeah. as straightforward as it gets. I, if I asked you who's next in line, I'm not really sure. I would argue just the running back room. Because <laughs> yeah. there's not really a single position that stood out other than, I mean, both Diggs and, and Estimate. I guess it could be Joe Alt or yeah, one of the true. offensive linemen. That's I don't true. know where you would go, but, yeah, I guess you would have to say. But it's Michael Mayer far and away. Yeah, it's like 99.8% of the votes are in. And it's Michael Mayer, and then we would question the 1.2% of the voters. Yeah. All right, let's go to the defense. Uh, through four games, the defensive line got a C-plus from John. Then through nine games, went all the way up to a B-plus. I've been consistent. B-plus, B-plus, and I will stay at a B-plus. What say you? I'll keep them at a B-plus as well. They they improved. That's why I started them out a little bit lower. They improved throughout this season, and uh, – I just there's no way you can justify an A with them yet again though. So keep yeah. them at a B plus. Well, and I think they improved by time we got through four games that I started putting them there. I think they had that rough start right at the at, end of the first third of the season. Yes. Yeah. So that's where I was on that regard. Uh, but as we said last segment, it will be very nice if this group gets to a B plus next year. I'm not sure it will. This will be one of the groups that could struggle next season unless they bring in some guys. Um, in the transfer portal. Yeah. All right, linebackers, you had a B-plus through four games. Through nine games, you had a B-plus. I had a B-minus, then a B, and I'll stick with a B. I'm going to stick with an A-minus. I'm a big supporter uh, of the Actually, you're not group. sticking with an A-minus. You're upgrading them. No, to it, was a, it was an A-minus last time. I listened oh, was? through. Yeah, oh. I went back and listened through. I, I didn't want to – I changed it on the sheet, but I don't know if it changed on yours. The, okay, it's an A-minus. And I was an A-minus last time. I'll stick with an A-minus this time. They, I'm a big supporter of their group. Three top tacklers on the team. All three are linebackers. Five combined sacks. No real ups and downs. They were really the position I felt on this team and the defense especially that had consistency the entire season. I will give you that. Uh, there was that's consistency. What they that's what they needed, right? And even when J.D. Bertram was not starting a couple games because he's out with targeting, you didn't see uh, a major drop-off, I feel like. But they... They need some upgrade there, I still think. That's why I can't I'll give agree a, with that. That's like, where that A and A-plus range. Yeah, I just, you know, they just don't have, it's an obvious thing, right? They don't have a Manti Teo. They don't have, a, you know, um, they, they, they're, they're, they don't have a Jalen Smith. They don't have a wow linebacker. That, that's the bottom line, and I think that's what they're missing there, and they need that. And Notre Dame is known to have that. They've had yeah. that wow linebacker uh, a lot. You know, Cormo. They, they've had that that Been guy. few and far between the last decade or two where they haven't had that guy. Yeah, since exactly. Manti Teo and Jalen Smith and uh, Cormo, as you mentioned. So Yeah, so I, I think that's those are things they, they need to get to, to to get into that A range, and that's somewhere hopefully they can get to. So maybe Prince Kali is going to – get into that range um, here coming up. And Jalen Sneed, uh, outside of unsportsmanlike uh, penalties, maybe he can get there in the next couple of years. Uh, but that's what they kind of need. All right, secondary. Go ahead. I got a cough. Uh, I mean, I had him at a, at a B, an A-. minus. I'm going to keep him at, at an A-, minus, and, and there's two words that I have for his why they get that A grade. Benjamin Morrison, a fantastic 
finish to the season, all-around great season for the secondary as a whole. Brandon Joseph coming in, transfer, doing a great job. And uh, I think maybe if they could have helped a little more here or there against some good quarterbacks like C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams, maybe they'd move up to an A. And you know what? I think there's a guy you missed in that, Tariq Bracey. Tariq Bracey as well. Tariq Bracey was fantastic this year. And you know what? No one talked about him the last six games because no one threw the ball at him. And you know what? Sometimes a cornerback is like the referee. If you don't notice them, wow, they yeah. must have done something really good. Um, and I think that's what Tariq Bracey did it, that they were trying to throw on Morrison, and they were learning that was probably a bad idea. Yeah. Like, Bracey didn't have the flashy numbers by any means that Morrison did, and Morrison had six interceptions, Bracey had one, but Bracey was making was locking things down on the other side. So um, I'll go with an A-minus for the secondary. I think they... And I think they were way better than I thought they were going to be. That That is absolutely true. And hopefully that's still the case, and hopefully Brandon Joseph decides to come back. What would you say your defensive MVP would be? This is a tough one, I think. I mean, I think you, you might know where I'm coming from, and it's the linebackers don't have that standout guy. But J.D. Bertrand, I would give the MVP, or he would be my vote for a few reasons. He was the leading tackler. And he was great. I mean, he showed off speed that I didn't know he had. And on top of that, he was a leader for that defense. And just, I mean, there wasn't a huge drop-off when he was out because of those targeting penalties. But you could tell that they were missing a guy who who was telling other guys what to do and, and pulling them all together. So I think he didn't have an outstanding performance, but he, he had a fantastic season and he was a core member of that defense. I... And torn on this one, I can vote. I could see Bertrand. He was one of the guys I put down on my list as possibilities. Morrison certainly deserves to be in consideration. Although he came on towards the end of the year, wasn't there the whole season? If he did it the whole season, I think he didn't even have the opportunity to do it the whole season. If, if he did, I think he would be, and I would be stunned if he's not the defensive MVP in the next over the next couple of years. Right? Uh, Bracy, as I mentioned, I'm very high on. And then Isaiah Foskey end up having yeah, a really, really season. I'll go with Foskey. I'll give him the going away present, um, and he'll. Uh, it's it's hard to not vote for an Isaiah Foskey, uh, and he. I think he end up having a really great season. I hadn't listed. Uh, I hadn't listed anyone other than Bertrand and Foskey on my list. I mean, the the secondary did a good job, but as I don't think any of them quite stood out as much as those two did. All right, special teams through four games. You had a B plus. I had a B minus. Now let's let's. Remind people the B minus in part because of the Ohio State game, the the horrible kick return, which I still will say if they actually return the ball, you know, with that average starting field position a little bit better than like the 15 yard line, maybe they could have won that game, uh, but they did not. So I had them low because of that main factor. Then obviously we started seeing what they were capable of doing through nine games. You had them at an A minus. And then I had him at an A minus, and I will uh, excuse me. You had him at an A plus, and I had him at an A, and I will finish off at an A. I still think that first game counts in a way. I'm a hard grader, and I will not say it was perfect. And you gave up a big special teams touchdown yesterday, so I can't go A plus. I, I will look at this as <laughs> their their first uh, trimester grade was a B plus, and through the. Uh, the second trimester, they earned an A plus for that that section, and overall, I'll agree they they get an A, not quite the A plus in the season oh, because of a downgrade. because of those those beginning mistakes, and they weren't quite the, the perfect special teams, but you can't complain at all about that special teams performance. All right, special teams MVP. 
See, this is where I gave it to Bertrand on defense because I'd give it to Foskey on special teams because he had two punt blocks, and he was in there on every single punt. Really, I think it it would go to him on that respect. I got to go with John Sott. Uh, That's fair. My man came in 43.9 yards per punt, 21 inside the 20. I get it. The punt block unit was awesome. But I'll tell you what, no one knew what they were getting at in the punting position, and John Sott was as solid as ever. Boy, do you wish this guy was still was returning for another season. Uh, he, he was fantastic. And I don't know what, out of all the positions in the NFL, I have no idea what the criteria is to become an NFL punter. I think it's way different. Like, kicker we know, right? Make the field goals, make, it, yeah. make the extra points, get touchbacks in, in the kick game. Punting is nuanced. There's hang time involved. There's not out kicking the coverage involved and all these things. Placement. All that, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. That I don't understand that I, can, I can't figure out. But, man, this guy seems like he he could be an NFL punter. He he was really very consistent and very awesome. Plus, he had a 75-yard punt this year. I think that's, yeah, that's really impressive. awesome. All right. He did uh, a good job. I'll, I'll concede on that one. All right. Coaching. Through four games, you had a D plus. I had a C minus. Through nine games, you had a C. I had a C plus. I will finish off and say a C plus. What say you? Wow. See, I, I'm going to say they they improved from the C all the way up to a B minus. Okay. is what I'm going to finish them at because there there's definitely still room for improvement, but the, the overall management, as I touched on a little bit earlier, the messaging from Freeman improved throughout the year, and he's a first year coach. There's going to be those hiccups, but there was a consistent trend upward throughout the entire season, and you could see the improvement. That's why they get a B minus. Yeah, I'll say I stuck the same because they, you know, since our last vote, vote, whatever grade, they did lose a game. Let's not forget they did lose to USC, and I don't even think that score thirty eight twenty seven was anywhere. It it did not close to how it felt. It was not that close. And so I, I think I'm not necessarily blaming the coaching. That was one of the ones that was one of the games where you actually said USC is the better team. Like you actually looked at it and you're like, they're the better team. And it would take Notre Dame playing perfect to win this game. So I don't know if it should be a knock, but there's enough reasons to knock this team, namely Marshall Stanford that I'll <laughs> that go. True. I'll go. I'll go C plus. And I think anytime you don't win 10 games in a season, including the bowl game, that's probably a knock against you in that regard. That is true. Um, you know, eight and four regular season. Uh, that's that's a C plus effort in terms of coaching, especially when you don't. You're the reason why a couple of those losses happen. You know, Marshall and Stanford. That's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, overall, uh, so I'm starting to dip into that one, and maybe my vote ends up being surprising in this category based on what I just said. Uh, you had a C plus through four games and a B through nine. I had a C minus, then a B minus, and then I do finish with a B. Um, I I blame the coaching more more so than the overall team for where this season ended up. Now I am not saying I think the coaching is awful. Like I think they're going in the right direction. To your point, so mm-hmm. I'm just saying the coaching through that first it whatever just wasn't seven. Quite there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, it they, was the the new coach curve exactly. And I, I agree with you there. I think that there were some other things that held them back. Quarterback injury, for example. And yeah. Drew Pine coming in. But the wide receiver performance, I could go on. But they they 
I think had a, a good season. And overall, when you look at the entire team, I'm going to improve them to a B plus on the wow. season. And I knew you were going to, you were going to be surprised. I think it goes along with that trend of the voting 85% saying successful because all around solid performance by the team. I mean, they recovered from the Rocky start, top five win, bowl win, four ranked wins. I think when I look at it, an A minus would be they make the New Year's six or, or the playoffs. A, you win New Year's six or a playoff game. And of course, an A plus, you win it all. So I think that's why I'm giving them a B plus because they're right below that. They're in that second tier bowl. They get the win there, they get a B plus. Yeah, I can't go B plus when you're eight and four in the regular season. That's kind of like my. My threshold, unless again we're going, we're graded by the curve, which I think a lot of people have been doing. All right, support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tony Letcher of Health Markets. Tony, a local parishioner here in the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, and a licensed insurance agent. His services include Medicare, family, or individual health insurance or life insurance. His number is 855 776 2438. His website is tletcher. Com. All right, time for a break. When we return, we'll look at next year's Irish football schedule, give our prediction for today's college football playoff semifinals. That's next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Are you paying more than you should for things that don't really bring you peace? Struggling to meet your financial goals? We can help. Hi, I'm Diane Freeby of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, inviting you to learn how making little changes to daily spending habits can make a big difference. Schedule a free financial checkup today at NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tire Rock. Tire Rock also underwrites our internship program with students from our two Michiana Catholic high schools, St. Joseph and Marion. The students receive practical college-level internship experience and class credit as they help out with our broadcasts of high school football and basketball. More tires, great prices. Visit TireRack.com. Okay, let's look at the 2023 Irish football season here real quick. They open up with Navy in Ireland. Then they'll come home to face their first 1AA opponent in ND history, Tennessee State, on September 16th. By the way, they have four games that the dates haven't been announced. That's at Duke, at Louisville, at NC State versus Pitt. So there's a reason there are going to be some gaps in here. <coughs> September 16th versus Central Michigan, Ohio State at home on the 23rd, at home versus USC on October 14th, versus Wake Forest on October 28th. That should be interesting because if Sam Hartman is the Notre Dame quarterback, he'll go against his former team in that one at Clemson on November 4th at Stanford on November 25th. I mean, man, Ohio State, USC and Clemson again next year. And then you throw in Duke, who's actually pretty good. They were nine and four and Mike Elko's first season former Notre Dame defensive coordinator. That is not an easy schedule next year for a team that you're like, maybe they are a quarterback away from making the playoff. Man, that's that's a tough schedule right there. What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, you overlook the, those first three games there. The, the, yeah, they're good. All I, those are four-win teams this year. But right. you look at their, the middle of the season to the end of the season, there is not a bad team on that list. I mean, Ohio State, Stanford, USC. But you lost to them. Stanford, yes. But you but, lost to them. 
you lost to them this season, and and who knows? They they might be a little bit better next season, but really, it, you don't get a break after after you get into October. There's there's no looking back. You either gotta turn it on, or it's gonna look rough for Notre Dame. Yeah, I I don't know where I go with a prediction in this one in terms of what I think. Um, I think I'm gonna settle in on ten and two because I uh, let's go this way. I almost go with a. If Sam Hartman is the quarterback and if Sam Hartman is not. That's if, what I wrote down. Is, is it really? Yeah. All right. Well, you go first. You go. What do you I got? said uh, if if Hartman comes and he's the quarterback, I'm looking at it. I think they drop one to one of those potential college football playoff contenders, USC, Ohio State, uh, Clemson. I think they lose one, but I think they can win two if he comes in at quarterback. They've got great running backs, great, lineback- or great linebackers, great defense, and great linemen. I think they only drop one. If he's not there and the quarterback's still a little bit of a question mark and Buckner <laughs> doesn't quite improve enough, I think they're going nine and three. All right. Yeah. Ooh, nine and three nine all the way now. Yeah, you know what? I'll agree with that. I, I agree with that assessment, especially since I, I like to not have to play that Ohio State game at the beginning of the year like they did this year. They got like they still gotta figure stuff out, uh, and it'll still be second year. So I think that makes a difference and I think they'll have those games at the beginning of this season. Obviously, one of those uh, Duke, Louisville, NC State, or Pitt will be in that uh, beginning mix as well. All right, real quick, uh, what do you got for college football playoffs? TCU versus Michigan, Ohio State versus Georgia tonight. I think uh, Michigan's going to come out too strong for TCU. They're going to get that first game, 31-21, and then Georgia is going to take over, and I think they're ultimately going to win the national championship. They're going to beat Ohio State 35-21. All right, let's have some fun with this. It's going to be an all-Big Ten national championship, the rematch of all rematches, Michigan versus Ohio State after Ohio State pulls off the upset to ring in the new year tonight. Oh, baby, I'm going with the Buckeyes to upset Georgia, even though they'll probably lose by three touchdowns. All right. Who wins it all? Uh, Georgia. <laughs> Yeah, you can't you can't go against any of those big time guys, huh? Oh, sorry about that. I guess that, that was a real run. Never mind. That will do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Zach Smith. All season did a great job for John Brock. I'm Angel DiCarlo. Today, our final episode of Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays for this season. We want to thank all of you listening. If even if it was year one in Iowa. Year three in Fort Wayne or year five in South Bend. Thank you so much. Many blessings to you and your family and a happy new year. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord, our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, And by the glorious intercession of Mary, our Lady, may we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Join Bishop Kevin Rhodes for a new episode of Truth in Charity every Wednesday during the noon hour. Each week, he has a conversation with host Kyle Hyman about scripture, saints, and church news. Listen to episodes anytime by going to spokestreet.com slash askbishop. 
or search for Truth and Charity on any podcast app. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.